So Quinn, you've been playing tabletop role-playing games for a lot longer than I have. You're you're an old hand at this. How often do you do uh, what they're what are called session zeros? Uh, I've done quite a few in my time. Uh, I, a lot of my D and D playing has been in person over the past like decade or so. Like I started online, migrated to playing in person, played in person almost exclusively for a while, and then Dice Funk came back into my life, so I done that. But uh, session zeros, I think, are, are usually a very important way that I like to play the game, uh, mostly as a way to, to set expectations. Yeah, this is what we're doing right now, what you're listening to, isn't a traditional session zero, because we mostly do that stuff in the like the Discord we share, but uh, I feel like I want to do and something similar. And also, it's, it's only us. It's, it's yeah. <laughs> Usually a session zero will have the entire uh, party available. Well, yeah, I'm saying even in that Discord. So, like, for yeah. last season, I would be like, hey, this season we're doing kind of a sp- uh, space, Star Wars, Star Trek pastiche. The mind flares are kind of trying to be integrated into galactic civilization. That's the premise. But then if you hear in episode one, I'm like, okay, so this person's a big fan of Illithids. And then Leon goes, what's an Illithid? <laughs> so <laughs> you, you can't control what people read of your messages or what they absorb without you say. Um, but a lot of the stuff that we do uh, is off the recording. So people don't hear it just like you know basic setting ground rules where i'll say things like you know uh i'm okay with pretty much any uh level of extreme violence and gore basically above and beyond what even D uh usually tracks in but uh there's some things like i we, we don't really play with like homophobia or racism in an extreme way on our show for example yeah uh th- yeah there's a lot of stuff that we set up and, and not even necessarily even stuff to that extreme uh, that is where we'll, we'll sort of throw ideas out, and that's where we find out maybe where we're sort of stepping on each other's toes a little bit, uh, where maybe, uh, like, okay, guys, we have too many goofy, silly weirdos. Maybe one person should be <laughs> a little bit more grounded. Yeah, and I think some of the biggest mistakes in the show's history have come when uh, those type of notes have been completely disregarded. For example, if I say, uh, I don't know that this Batman parody is more than a one-episode joke, and then you just do not respond or listen, <laughs> for example, that could go badly. If you for, if you just didn't respect other people, for example. Yeah, like if there was a season of the show where uh, almost no one seemed to take uh, any response to the idea you put forward, and we're just like, you know what, I have an idea that I'm going to go with. You had to uh-huh. cut that out. I can't, I can't be this negative and bitchy. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's the thing is we all, you have to learn about what your players like and get on the same page and so forth. I'm kind of doing that with the audience. This is I'm going to release this not as session zero, but as like part zero because it's a pre-season 11 thing. And I'm partly building a ramp here because I think I'm going to do this for the next couple seasons leading to season 13, a.k.a. Uh, codename Pumpkin Season, because Dan has been working on his setting for literally years. So uh-huh. Before there, I think I want to sit down with him and literally record, I, I assume, a much longer episode where we talk about the you know the world he has crafted. But I want to do a shorter one for this one and for next season, which is tentatively dragon season, I think people know. So that's kind of the plan. But um, season 11 in particular, 
the you know people say about sex in the city they're like new york is actually the fifth character uh <laughs> this is kind of the situation where i think the setting is more of a character than it's ever, ever been and i wanted to talk about it with you um hopefully this will be a pretty short episode i know people are still catching up over the holidays we released a huge finale and all the postmortems but that's that's kind of what we're doing tonight today this morning you know it doesn't matter whenever you're listening to it right now we are recording this concurrently with when you were listening to this that's right Right. You, you're like, it's two in the morning, guys. Shouldn't you be asleep? No, we're recording it right now for you exclusively. We're outside your window. We're uh-huh. not dressed appropriately for the weather. It's very cold. Please let us in. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> also, it looks like you left the tea kettle on. Just a heads up. I can see it from here. Yeah. Uh, also, we can just talk about g- general things with uh, DMing, GMing, because this is your first time on Dice Funk. You have obviously DMed a lot in your life before, but we are, as of this recording, eight episodes in, so two months of recording. So once again, some of this is with hindsight, because you'll you like hear us say like, "Oh, well, how does that work? What's going on with that?" You know, in the moment. But like now, I know because I'm in the future. Uh, so th- those are the sort of things. Is has anything stuck out to you uh, in two months of uh, season eleven? Yeah, so uh, I'm sure it'll be evident when people listen to the first episode uh, that I uh, was very nervous throughout it. Um, I'm always nervous anytime I do something sort of new for the first time. I was very nervous on my first episode of Dice Funk. Uh, I was very nervous the first time I did a one-shot. I was very nervous DMing the uh, uh, mini-season, the Guns, Puns, and Justice one. Uh, I'm just nervous uh, frequently until I get used to it essentially which is where i found myself like there was no uh like stress or anticipation in this most recent episode i had to record for example but um yeah i had a lot of stress uh preparing for that first episode and that might be evident uh to some degree maybe not maybe i shouldn't encourage people to micro analyze every second of the recording um and i'm sure a lot of the uh nervousness gets edited out gets edited out to some degree um but uh, there was uh, a lot of challenges to adjust to, even though I've spent a long time DMing. Um, there's a lot of challenges to adjust to to DMing Dice Funk in particular, uh, not the least which being that uh, your DMing style is so incredible that it is very intimidating to try to uh, <laughs> be like any kind of uh, uh, fitting alternative or replacement or just uh, accompaniment or anything like that. You, you cast a very powerful shadow. Well, that that's very flattering of you to say. I mean, we all have our strengths and weaknesses, right? So I think for my style, for example, I use a lot less uh, florid description than the average DM might. If you read the books, the way they, they kind of teach you to DM uh, through the printed published material is always like, you enter the dark, dank tomb and the moss on the ceiling has a fetid stench that pervades the air. You know, like I don't do that kind of narration just because... In my experience, players tend to to like zone out. They like their yeah. eyes roll back in their head. They start looking at memes. Um, and maybe your group isn't like that. Maybe your group loves that shit, and you'd lean all the way into it. You kind of have to know your players. Like I joked about Leon earlier. I fucking love Leon. That Bill Webb shit was so fucking funny. But he is not someone who's going to internalize like the complex pol- like geopolitics. The, wall- <laughs> the walls are thick with a matted, wet smell. He's just gonna be like. Uh, who do I punch and when? When can I kill them? <laughs> yeah, he he often just asks, "Who are the bad guys here?" <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is which is fine because then you just build yeah. a setting where I'm like, there are terrorists trying to blow up this the ship, and then he's like, "I'm going to go ape shit on them," <laughs> and that's funny. Uh, Dan is like the opposite, 
where it's like you can't if, if i say like uh there's a river in front of you dan's gonna be like okay so what are the tributaries where does it flow from <laughs> and to what's the mineral composition how deep is it and it's just like fuck i didn't prepare any of that god damn it <laughs> uh, but that's been i think for me a, a very interesting uh thing uh because i think one aspect of my side of this this season is very much uh, the philosophical question of this season. Uh, not to, I guess, uh, jump too far into what we're talking about, uh, but where since this is playing off of uh, season nine's ending and the the world they created, the question of uh, how do you decide who to bring back is a question I really want to explore throughout this season. And Dan is an excellent player uh, for that because uh, he immediately created a character who's like sole mission in life is finding out exactly how this does work because it is deeply important to his people's culture. Yeah. Dan is doing a lot of uh, a, a fear I have, and you're, you're going to hear the first episode next week. So you're not going to wait too long though, is uh, all of our characters are kind of uh, wacky and weird. Like we don't have any like humans named John, you know, it's a, uh, <laughs> it's a pretty uh, out there season. Uh, Dan's is maybe the, the furthest out there. So I hope people like it. But one thing, I think you know, so. I, I think about is like, is this too unrelatable? Um, <laughs> so I, I have that fear. I, I feel like this is an audience, not to throw in a Magic the Gathering reference that most people won't get, but this is like a Lorwyn heavy audience. They don't need humans around for them to get on board. Usually like when there is like a race that's too boring, I hear people kind of push back against it a little bit. Like I almost felt like there was like a, a like maybe a sense of like, oh, Cecilia's just kind of like a human-like vampire, eh? Oh, okay. Could have been like uh, uh, a bullywog vampire or something like that. Like you could have gone wild, but I feel like everyone loves when there's like some crazy new race that's like over the top and has lore and you know is, is all sorts of silly. Which Dan's is one hundred percent. His character will just drop little nuggets uh, throughout an episode that will like stop the recording. Still, just be like, yeah, my character never sleeps ever, and in fact, if he tries to, he'll die. Or like, excuse me, what? Yeah, I don't even know if it's a real one. <laughs> I think that you might have just made that up. <laughs> yeah, I, I made that one. Well, I'm trying not to. I'm trying not to uh, uh, dox his character before they come out. <laughs> but just the idea that his character has a, a very weird physiology, uh, and I think that's very fun. I think the audience will like it. Um, the under uh, the other side of our story is also kind of an eclectic group of weirdos. So. I feel like it's, you know, totally uh, in a similar place. There's there's like extremes of like, here's the characters who are like really far out there. And I think they're here are the ones who are going to be more relatable for you. But they're also uh, kind of weird little freaks, too, just to be clear. Yeah, I think in future, if we do like part zeros again, we might bring players on to talk about their characters. I don't know how uh, much we need introductions because I, I kind of like to just get in and play. But yeah, we're not going to be touching too too strongly on them today. Um, I do want to say it's like circling back to uh, the, the the Dan stuff because <laughs> uh, he is like uh, looming large in my imagination right now. Is that uh, the the season thirteen stuff is like bu building a ramp there too, right? Because he's he's playing a mm -hmm. character related to his upcoming setting and i do still want to keep every season of the show 
uh, standalone. I want you to be able to start anywhere. So I, if you if you skip part zero and you start episode one of season eleven, you should be fine. When someone needs to yeah. know something, they roll history. That's the way the game works. Like when you sit down to play Dungeons and Dragons, you haven't read every published book since the seventies. You know, like everyone is always kind of having blank spots in the lore stuff. But like as you said, this season was suggested by the end of season nine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which is kind of the starting pl- place. So I will say I, I kind of want this part zero to be here. If someone has a question about the setting, they can just load this episode up. It's all here. But also, I want this episode to be skippable. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think that's a great way to do it. Uh, I think it's good that we have a little bit of a break here for the audience. Because uh, as you said, all of our uh, content just came out over the holidays, including what, like a two and a half hour finale? It, w- it was obscenely long. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot of content there. People might be catching up on And Also, if this is your first time listening to season 11, you know, maybe you're in the far distant year of 2033 and you're like, I'm finally going to get around to listening to Dice Funk, uh, where I don't know, we're presumably on season 37 or something like that. Uh, you know, this is hopefully going to be a, a gentle on ramp, but if you're like, nah, I get it. I've been, I've been binging this stuff. I don't, you know, get me to the action. Uh, hopefully, uh, we've done a good job keeping you on the grails to understand what's happening in season 11. Yeah. Cause the players won't have heard part zero cause we're recording it now. So obviously that's not necessary. Also, I, I do see people uh, literally today in the discord, someone was saying, oh, I'm showing the show to someone. They want to start on season one, which I understand. I always like start everything at the beginning when, uh, Jojo's bizarre adventure first got onto my radar. They're like, oh, stands are in part three. I'm like, yeah, but Austin is in part one. <laughs> so I, I get <laughs> what I get that. I'm trying to remember. I feel like there was a specific example of something I tried to tell you. I was like, you can actually start a little bit further. You're like, uh, maybe like One Piece or something like that uh-huh. or or something. There was some anime I told you like, oh, you can skip a little bit forward. And you're like, that's that, that won't happen. <laughs> that's that's not how Austin does this. But I'm such a hypocrite because I always say, like, start with the episode one of the latest season. Don't go back until you know you like it because we're always getting better. Like, the audio quality gets better. We get more experienced. Uh, the editing is tighter. Like, I, I, I believe that about my own work, even though I don't believe other people when they say that about their work. So, uh, hypocrite that I am. Um, yeah, I, I, I really want you to be able to just jump into the latest season is, is my thought on this thing. So... Uh, how did we get to the season 11 setting? If my memory serves, we actually reversed at one point. I think I was going to do uh, a dry and you were going to do wet is how I recall. Do you remember this? I, so, <laughs> listeners, I will have so much more to say on the, the, the making of, of season 11 when we get to the end. Uh, because this, my version of this uh, season has gone through so many iterations. There may have been one where I was underwater. I truly don't remember. Uh, I've, I have like notes prepared uh, that I worked on that I uh, threw to the side about four different times as you were like, hold on, actually, what if we did this? I, I even remember when you tried to last minute pivot it to pirate season, you fuck. <laughs> I was there. <laughs> you, you tried to Shanghai the entire team to go with pirate season. Uh, but, um, yeah, I think I might've at one point been the set to do the underwater side of things. 
Yeah, this is just something about my style. It's highly improvisational. I will change my mind constantly. The name of the season completely changed like four times once after we had already recorded a couple episodes. Um, so that's just, you normally don't hear or like know about that because I'm the only DM and it, it's just hidden from you. But when you're working with me, unfortunately, it is a constant barrage of that stuff. But that's just how I work. That's why I feel, if I may compliment myself, why I'm so flexible in the actual <laughs> session, just because I have four ideas already. And then if if when someone latches on, I'll just go that way because I already had that idea, you know? So, but yeah, it's, I'm difficult to work with, but I think it's, <laughs> I, I disagree. It's I, don't, I, I hope that didn't come across as me saying you're difficult to work with. It's more along the lines of, I have so much to uh, share to know how differently this season looked uh, like eight months ago, six months ago, four months ago. And again, like, two weeks before the season started we were like what about we just watched one piece and you were like pirate season <laughs> to be clear pirate season is definitely still happening yeah uh it's it's on the schedule i have uh, up to season 20 put penciled in uh so i i'm full of ideas i have a brain disease i never stop creating every day i come up with five characters and they all have silly little voices and weird backstories that's just a and never-ending font for me so don't don't get it twisted pirates are coming uh, but yeah, so we, we were suggested by the end of season nine, which is like create an area we can play in. And the players created a plant island on an ocean. Is that like the simplest uh, explanation? Yeah, uh, there was a place for plants uh, that plants could thrive uh, that was meant to be very relaxed and chill. Uh, there are uh, a lot of extra elements that some are, are, are going to appear in the season, some won't. Um, simply just due to the fact that like there's there's only so much time, uh, but it was generally like yeah, a place of plants that rests above an ocean. Uh, everything on this island uh, is made of plants. Uh, the animals are plants, and there is like a, a low level of consciousness to everything as well. Like this is quite literally a living island. Yeah, and I thought I especially thought of you, Quinn, because you are famously an island lover. You're a big island stan. <laughs> Lost is, of course, your favorite piece of media. So when I was like, "Who could double DM island season?" it was you were my first choice uh, automatically. Uh, but we don't use every element we set up there. Uh, I want to say there are no returning characters, and it's been long enough that everyone I think is dead. So don't worry about that stuff. Like I said, in order to keep everything standalone, it's not a direct sequel. It's a it's a, it's a as suggested by so i think yeah. ocean island and riddle snake are the only like ca capital l you know lore we're taking yeah i mean that was uh the important uh thing to consider as i designed my half of it is that i am responding to what previous players uh decided because that was the whole point of that season was to get to the end of the world and then design what your domain is going to be create your piece of the world so it was responding to that but also then acknowledging that this has to be approached in a way where if you've never listened to season nine uh you don't have to you don't have to go back and be like all right let me listen to this uh and find out why everything is the way it is because ultimately the reason is just like the players decided it was it was thematically relevant to them so it's pretty simple uh in like uh, uh like sort of agnostic sense of like it's an island of, of all plants and it has the ability to kind of interact uh, a little bit with something that's under the water that's uh, very significant and, and poses kind of the main reason for why this place exists. 
Yeah, so island season is kind of the first thought I had, uh, and underwater season is something people have asked for for a while, so those felt pretty obvious for the double DM half and half. Then came the thing that I've uh, lost the most sleep about, which is how should the parties interact? Should they interact? Um, and this has been a whole huge snafu. Uh, we've done one downtime so far. I think it went pretty well, but this is kind of an experimental element of the season, is that uh, what for eight seasons in a row basically everything but you know the first season uh we had these downtimes that i mean the game doesn't really prescribe downtime um in earlier editions in D D, there was there was actually like property management elements i don't know if you've ever seen any of these early D D books quinn where we're like buy an estate and uh, hire uh peasants to work your land it's like yeah. completely weird stuff no one does but i my downtime is pretty uh regimented where it's like talk to an npc get an upgrade advance your personal quests stuff like that uh i'm kind of doing something weird with it uh what do you what do you want to say about that right now because it's going to be you know a month before they hear it but it's important because of something it did geographically to your island <laughs> yeah uh i think yeah we, we kind of lead led into it with that so i don't think we need to really bury the lead here in that uh the way we are going to approach downtimes this season is instead of it being uh two separate downtimes uh you know uh team a and a team b downtime with their respective dms uh, all of us are going to interact with one another, uh, maybe not in one gigantic phone call uh, because those can get uh, tedious. But the idea is uh, we, are, we will sort of alternate uh, players from each team, interact with one another and kind of expanding their, their storylines that way. Uh, and uh, we as DMs will kind of be along to help uh, kind of provide some guidance along with that and then create sort of the bookend structure around which these scenes will take place. So it's, it'll be a, a joint downtime essentially, and you'll get to see characters specifically interact with each other. That'll be the meat and potatoes of the downtimes. Yeah. And there was a lot of, uh, kind of, uh, contemplation, a lot of go back and forth about whether, uh, they should be, uh, ro a rotating schedule, which is to say, like, is every downtime my character and Skitch's character, or do I have one with Skitch and one with Laura and one with you and one with Sarah? Um, right now, I think we're going to do the latter just to get a uh, kind of a mix, but like, there's, I think, positives and negatives to each approach and i think that's interesting we'll see how it's received but yeah. um if if people are like oh, i like that having two downtimes for one for each team we'll just go back to that it's fine i'm not like married to this idea but i was curious about the uh pace you know having two downtimes is a lot of not fighting big monsters which presumably some people listen to dnd podcasts to hear you know so I, i'm curious about that and also if people like player character to player character conversations more than player character to NPC. I have fun playing the NPCs, but, you know, people are always saying, like, uh, what does Trizzy think about uh, Buford or whatever? And it's like, oh, they did eventually get some scenes, but, like, what does uh, Trizzy think about Max? I'm using last season because it's the freshest in my mind, but, like, I don't know what Trizzy's opinions are of Max because they did not talk enough, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think it's going to be a very interesting experiment. Uh, it'll be a way to get characters to act. And uh, as a DM, I, I, I place a, a particular focus on trying to make sure players feel realized in their character. So in that way, I think this is a very good uh, opportunity because oftentimes, uh, particularly with the way Dice Funk 
uh, functions as a radio play show, uh, there are challenges where sometimes you may not feel like you can get the spotlight all the time or you may not feel like you're able to fully realize certain things about your character. So the idea of saying like, hey, your two characters are going to interact and that's just the scene. That is the content of this episode does just provide an opportunity to explore your characters. We, we've done one of these so far and I feel like everyone really got to explore an aspect of their character, which is is very nice. Uh, there might be some people who at the end of the season will say like, oh, I wish we could have spent more time with NPCs and I am trying to like find a way as a DM to make sure, like knowing like, oh, uh, downtimes were like a space where NPCs got to be focused on. So let me try to like integrate them as much as I possibly can. Otherwise, just so people don't feel like they're missing out or anything like that. But I, I do think this is a great opportunity. Uh, and I, I say this even as a player. Uh, to just be able to role play with the character, uh, which is one of my favorite things to do in this game. Uh, just get to interact with somebody and be like, hey, uh, here's what my character's like. Here's what yours is. Uh, here are the things they definitely would like be super cool on. And then like, here are the things they're not. So like, do we want to have them like have friction? Like that's like an important question to ask. That's kind of fun. And in the first episode, we have like a gamut of like some people who are like, Hey, we're best friends, and let's let's talk about how we're such great friends with each other. And then there's two characters to like pass in like a hallway, and you're like, "You piece of shit!" <laughs> like, well, fuck you, you jerk. Yeah, I will say though, at my first downtime, I was surprised the direction my character went in. I did not know she was gonna say some of the things she said, <laughs> just which has been very exciting. Um, but yeah, we uh, as far as these downtimes go, I think we're burying the lead about an element I've been uh, really excited about, which is the connection between the island and the ocean. Um, I'm trying to remember who uh, you know came up with this or how exactly this all came together. I think Skitch <laughs> named it because uh, it's a building. It's a it's a uh-huh. hotel that goes through the island into the ocean. Um, what, what is your memory of our creation of this? So this is, uh, I believe, a, uh, an aspect left over from one of the uh, great many sort of redirections that you proposed. Uh, there was uh, some people might remember if you listen to a lot of Dice Funk, there was like a postmortem where we talked about how I had an idea about like sort of like a haunted hotel uh that would uh i was gonna do as like a radio play we were considering like if there was like a patreon goal maybe making it like a a sideshow of dice funk that was gonna be like half scripted half improv and stuff like that uh and it doesn't feel like that's going to necessarily happen but you were like hey what if we take that idea like why don't we do like grand budapest hotel on the top half and it's just like it's interacting with the people who are waiting to get their loved ones revived stuff like that and uh I, I explored that idea for a while and they were like, actually, I think I have an even better idea, but the hotel stayed like once you introduced that concept uh, to the, the grand idea, the hotel was just a permanent fixture from then forward. Uh, and it, it has continued this idea that there is a centralized location um, and uh, both teams interact with it in different ways. There is sort of like, uh, not a class identity because uh, this island very specifically kind of has no uh, culture to it. So there are not like a culture that we would understand. It's all plants. They, they have their own thing. But, that's you know, the top side is like made to look very nice uh, and be this like comfortable place for people to stay. And the, the bottom side is like a rough and tumble uh, Wild West kind of spot because it's, it's more uh, cowboy like down at the bottom. 
Yeah, because I, I think at the beginning when I was thinking of island, and I think maybe I was going to do topside, I was thinking of it as like a Florida resort. So I've been trying to do Florida season for a while. And so I, I, hotels on the beach are a huge important part of the economy and the culture. So I think that's where that idea started. And then I was thinking, oh, the under the water would be hard to maintain and there'd be like rust and corrosion and barnacles. And that had a more uh, dark and dirty feel. And I said, what if it was like uh, the gem from Deadwood, the one of the greatest TV shows ever made. And then I was like, something that sounds like Gem. And then I think Skitch, Skitch said the gig, which is obviously same amount of letters, starts with a G, because gigs are, uh, it's a method of fishing where you impale something with like, with like a, a sharp spear, uh, which fits the visual of the hotel piercing the, uh, the plant island into the ocean. Uh, and it also works with the idea of like the gig economy going on missions, which is what D and D is about. So we worked on like six different levels. It's very, uh, if I do say so, clever. Um, but yeah. I, I think in the first episode, uh, Sarah yells, uh, "A sweet life of Zach and Cody season, let's go." <laughs> <laughs> um, and Dan and I both are are intimately f- familiar with hotels. I lived in one for a long time, and Dan's father, I believe, ran one for a, a while. We talk about that some in this show, but uh, so uh, in a way, it's like island season, but also hotel season, which is our uh, elements. I'm very excited about. Yeah, there's I think a lot of really cool things here. It's 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 interesting to me because uh, some ways that uh, our minds work is to like categorize things into like particular flavors of fantasy. There are ways you could do that for you know previous seasons of Dice Funk and also just media in general. Like there's very specific things of like what about cowboy season? What about uh, you know pirate world? What about uh, you know robot land you know all this sort of thing that like video games and like fantasy fiction is just under our brains i think it is very interesting because hotel world is is not particularly like a flavor of fantasy you would see uh explored very much uh and i think it's cool to get an opportunity to explore uh this this particular very interesting culture that exists on this island and its particular connection to uh the well down below which was an element introduced at the end of season nine that can revive people and and how it connects to everything and how people exist on this island it is something that even just now like kind of as we're recording this this has been sort of the topic of an episode recently of just people kind of being like wait so how does this process exactly work like i want to i want to know more about this i need to i need to figure it out it's actually very funny because dan realized halfway through it's 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 become a very personal real life thing for him like his ticket queue at work that just keeps getting longer and longer he's like no there needs to be streamlines to this process yeah, he's getting uh, too too much realness from his day job in in the episode. But I think they're thinking about the genre space a lot because sometimes it's a very relatable thing. Like last season was like, you know, a space adventure. We've all seen space adventures. And, you know, and later we're going to do pumpkin season, which is like, you know, spooky adventures, Nightmare Before Christmas kind of stuff. I feel like that's pretty relatable. This season, though, it's pretty hard to nail down. There aren't a lot of things like what we're doing. Uh, in fact, on the latest Spew Punk, which is our subscriber-only podcast where we talk about movies and video games and books and stuff, you mentioned there's an X-Men storyline that was eerily similar, and that's like the first piece of media that I had heard of that's really kind of trying to do what we're doing. Can you can you give us quickly what that was? 
Yeah, I, I mentioned that there is a storyline in the X-Men comic books right now called the Krakoan Saga, I guess you would call it, the Krakoan Age. Uh, it's basically where all the mutants uh, decide to fuck off from humanity and they get together on this, like, living island uh, and they use their mutant powers together to, like, basically create a resurrection process so people can keep coming back and they're creating essentially a super society using their powers uh, they, they're, you know, uh, going to try to integrate themselves as like a global world power with sovereignty and independence. Uh, but there's also kind of like cult-like aspects to it. There's people who don't like that this is happening within the community or don't like the, the way certain directions are being taken and things like that. There's, there's a lot of good storylines. I, I, I always kind of feel the need to pull back when I talk comic books because, uh, we all know how crazy they can get and not everything from this timeline is, is like a, a work of art, but I, I found it to be a very interesting exploration of like a time and place for, for mutants within this, this comic book universe. And that was some, that was an inspiration I took into the season. Not exactly, as I said, I'll talk more about where sort of my tones and vibes fluctuated as we, we kind of get maybe closer to the end or straight up the end of the season. Uh, but uh, the Krakoan age of X-Men was an inspiration for how I, I built uh, my side of this story. Yeah, I'd only just heard of it, but it does sound really inspiring and interesting and similar to what we're doing. So that's like one of the only guiding stars. I, I kind of joke in the first couple episodes about, you know, Psychonauts and Silent Hill as influences. I don't know how if you want to give, uh, you know, more of the premise away, but we're, we're doing things that have a little bit of precedent, but also like this is a pretty out there uh, season. So it's part kind of why I wanted to do this episode. Um, my, my side, the underwater stuff is more traditional D&D, but it's also a very untraditional setting um i've had to do yeah. a lot of research about ocean life and about you know how it's <laughs> plants and animals work and all that stuff uh do you know plankton is not just one thing plankton is like an umbrella term for like a ton of different shit oh yeah uh it's, it's like whole <laughs> colonies and stuff like that too isn't it it's yeah it's it just means like a bunch of little stuff i don't know it's weird yeah. I, <laughs> and also like seaweed is not a plant this what the fuck? What do you mean? It's a, it's a weed. It's a weed in the sea. No, bitch, it's not. Uh, <laughs> Wait, so, it's, 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 is it a creature? <laughs> it, it's No, it's just an organism. It's a different oh, okay. kind of organism. Uh, okay. But yeah, shit like that I've had oh. to learn. Yeah, well, I, I don't want to like uh, like turn the direction or anything like that, but I, I, I do want to talk a little bit about the underwater side of things, which I think is very interesting because underwater season is something that people have asked for. It's also it's like a flavor that just exists in fantasy media. Uh, you know, there's going to be an underwater plane in Magic the Gathering events eventually. There have been underwater zones in, you know, World of Warcraft. Like, people like the uh, the flavor and fantasy of underwater. One of the major uh, heroes in the DC universe is entirely an underwater-themed character. Like, it's just a flavor that people, people like. Uh, but you are definitely going in on, like, all right, so this is an underwater season. That'll change how everything works uh because i know like one of my character's weapons you like message me you're like you know this just won't work underwater right so like i had to be like shit i actually had to change my weapon to make sure it's something that like if i do this underwater it actually makes sense to some degree yeah i've been trying to be uh you know permissive about it so like uh, this is hasn't come up directly but i'm like if you want to use like a lightning or a fire spell that's obviously going to be different so think about how that flavor would change and i think as you said like bludgeoning weapons like just moving against the force of the water is not going to really do much so this is a really a piercing damage 
kind of environment. And um, I, I was interested to see uh, what the response is because I feel like maybe underwater season is something we can revisit. I don't know uh, mm-hmm. if there is like multiple seasons in it, but there there is a lot. There's a lot of plants. There's a lot of animals. There's a lot of micro environments and geological features. I've had a lot of fun with it. So I, I've really been uh, having a lot of fun. And I, I think that um, – I want to make it different enough that it just doesn't feel like a normal campaign where occasionally yeah. you describe things as being wet. That was like my yeah. main fear is that like this is just a regular campaign, we're, we're, but we're picturing water sometimes. So I hope I capture that. But um, like as we've alluded to a couple times, one of the other elements from season nine that was suggested was the Well of Resurrection kind of like the Lazarus pits from DC Comics, if we're bringing comics mm-hmm. back in, uh, just a thing that can revive people. And um, that's kind of what the underwater economy runs around. It's like, oh, this is the only place that resurrection magic works. How would that affect people trying to live there? So that's kind of what they're they're dealing with, um, as well as other hydrothermal vents like that spit up stuff out of the, out of the ground. So <laughs> I've been reading a lot about that. It's very interesting. But... Um, if you've listened to the show a long time, you know I don't particularly care for resurrection magic. I think uh, <laughs> du- du- Dungeons & Dragons works as a game perfectly fine if you want to just crunch the math, if you're just trying to play you know, Dark Souls with it or whatever. But as a storytelling vehicle, uh, it really, for my money at least, kind of takes the air out of a lot of things if you can pop people back up uh, at any time. So I- I'm really trying to think if this is going to be an ongoing feature in our world, what does it mean? Uh, stuff like that. So uh, I kind of, I, I like playing with these elements and I, I genuinely don't know where it's going to go. Like I say this all the time, but like who the fuck <laughs> knows what these players are going to unleash on me and each other. So uh, like we can't plan too far in the future. Yeah, there's there's a lot going on there. Uh, there are a lot of interesting rules to the way that the underwater world works and that is all uh specifically i believe stuff established by the players at the end of season nine so if people are like so why does it work this year like because somebody said it did so (laughs) just so you know uh that's how this works uh and uh austin came up with a creative way to then tie in what the stakes are above to all of this uh which yeah i don't think we need to hide this we've kind of alluded to it especially with uh psychonauts earlier uh there is a concept that uh there is a process on the above side where you can see into a person's uh i think vibe is just the word we've settled on their 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 energy their their unwe their you know uh <laughs> whatever term you want to use uh you can look inside of themselves and sort of uh get to experience sort of uh an astral simulacrum of it you know you can you can experience a portion of our life to help determine if this is a person who should be or shouldn't be revived and that is the main job of the uh team and the above side is determining whether or not people should be brought back based off of what they see and uh that is that is the central thesis that is the question that guides this season who do you bring back why do you bring them back should people be brought back this way? All of this. I, I intend to explore uh, this question thoroughly. And uh, so far, everyone has had a really good time. And it also creates an opportunity for me to explore uh, weird genres <laughs> that I, I may not get to otherwise. Because uh, I get to create sort of these these miniature dungeons uh, that can have any thematic uh, sort of origin that I want them to because I get to sort of write who's dead and decide until uh, eventually I probably just won't. Uh, it's it's an interesting uh, 
way that I'm I'm existing in this season. It's interesting you say dungeons because I was about to point out precisely that is that Dice Funk has way fewer dungeons than Dungeons and Dragons would suggest just because I've always found them kind of strange world building wise like uh, in Greyhawk I believe the original setting from the 70s it was like oh this is a world in which there are uh, you know a huge labyrinth of underground caverns that's just like part of the world which is fine but then in Forgotten Realms there's just dungeons everywhere for some reason like why who built them <laughs> for what purpose it's literally just for the game mechanics and I've never particularly enjoyed that but i when we we fit a dungeon in where, where we can where it makes sense and i think the yeah the, the kind of psychonauts mechanic where you can open up someone's spirit and walk around in it is a perfect uh segue into those mechanics i mean honestly part of the reason i uh, suggested psychonauts like mechanics is just i know sarah is a big fan of psychonauts and she doesn't get to be on the show that often so i thought it'd be fun for her but also, I think it's really cool that you can do different genres and different things. Uh, Persona 5 also has a very similar yeah. vibe where you're going into people's mind palace. Uh, so like, there's a little bit of genre space there where the, the uh, where characters are locations, if that makes sense. Yes. Very, very, very good uh, fertile soil for adventure. Yeah, it, it's it's uh, an interesting space. Uh, everything is kind of ill-defined. You get to kind of create it as you want. And narratively, it creates a lot of interesting space just to exist. Uh, I won't give specific examples, but I imagine if you're listening, you might be able to think of some stuff that you're like, oh, well, what if this happens? Will they be able to explore that? You know, uh, and the answer is maybe. <laughs> I, I truly, uh, I have like a timeline of stuff that I plan to do, but I have kind of uh, built the campaign in a way where uh, I'm fully uh, accepting of the fact that like at any point in time things could go off the rails and just go in a completely different direction and I'm you know I'm ready to uh, you know kind of duck and weave with that. Yeah, we don't have any uh, like finale planned. We didn't last season either with the double DM with Laura. I mean, as you know, if you've listened to that season, eventually the teams merge because two characters had pretty natural exits and it just made sense. Uh, this season, no idea if that's going to happen, you know? So uh, Quinn and I both have some arcs in mind and we'll we'll see where it goes. But this is not a kind of thing where it's like, okay, we just need to fill time until we get to, you know, the event or whatever. So yeah. that, that, that's exciting. Like I know for pumpkin season, uh, Dan and I have been talking. Uh, I think we talked about this in the, that one postmortem, the pumpkin perspective, it was called, where it's like, oh, you want to do this kingdom of fear and I'll do like a kingdom of uh, courage or something. And maybe there'll be enemies like that's who knows where that one's going to go. But that's like a more defined relationship here in season 11. It's like there's above ground people or above water people and below water people. They're up to their own stuff. They meet every once in a while. But friends enemies just uh neighbors i literally don't know um, yeah. and i've also i've tried to avoid some of the tropes of underwater stories like um you know I, we just saw aquaman and that is always like super futuristic uh kingdoms of uh you know uh, gems and the futuristic metals and every story is about how like the surface dwellers are poisoning yeah. the ocean and there's nothing wrong with an like an ecological storytelling thing uh we've talked before about doing a season where we're like eco-terrorists <laughs> doing some captain planet shit on ultra violence but um i tried to do the opposite where it's like this is a, a pretty uh, sparse, barren underwater community just trying to figure out how to eke out an existence, and their problems are much more personal. So um, I hope people like a different take. I was just so worried about just doing Aquaman again. <laughs> that, would, that would be bad. Although yeah. I did like the scene in Aquaman too, where they go to the uh, weird crime 
uh, place and there's a bunch of weird fish. Uh, like I saw that after we had recorded some stuff, but like, that's the vibe. I'm trying to make weird fish people. Yeah. And that's, that's the fun is just being able to do weird stuff. I intentionally, from my side, I kind of just went through the monster manual and like, sort of like the tertiary handbooks to be like, what are some creatures we haven't gotten to like do much with? And I was like, okay, here's something, you know, we haven't had this at the show before we haven't had this. And then there's a couple that I was also like, I really want to do this though. Uh, one reason you, you asked her to DM is you were like, uh, you have so many character ideas. You're constantly telling me about new character ideas. Why don't you be a DM and then you can get some of them. And I have incorporated some of my previous character ideas into characters in this season. So, uh, there's, I think some, some cool stuff to look forward to there as you can just get a little wild with it. Uh, this is, uh, very much sort of a melting pot. Uh, the player characters all have sort of like a plant theme to them. Um, but, uh, beyond that, you know, it's not like everyone who lives on this Island has to be a plant person. In fact, uh, you know, uh, the idea is that there is no real like plant people on this island. It is an island just of plants. Yeah, this is the thing I talked about in the Discord, like in the pre-production of the season, where I was like, what are the underwater species in D&D? And it was like merfolk and triton. Uh, merfolk are, are, you know, kind of mermaids with no feet and triton have feet is the main difference. There's also some things like the uh, Sahegwin. God, I wish I could pronounce any of these words, which are just like uh, evil merfolk, essentially. And I kind of settled on there being three main uh, island people and three main underwater people kind of arranged by size. This was something, you know, I talked about with people. It wasn't like a demand from on high. Austin says you must, you know, conform to this. But I was thinking that, you know, with plant people you have uh, ones that are kind of like people with a little bit of plant the dryad there's like a, a plant person which are like the leshy and then there's like trees <laughs> the trees <laughs> and then underwater you have the merfolk the water genasi who are mostly people they're like genie kin who can breathe underwater and then the, the you know the the kuatoa who are mostly fish with like a little bit of human and i liked the symmetry of there being kind of three main uh, water and three main plant creatures who fill out the teams um and i think everyone seems really excited about their character <laughs> i don't i don't you know what's in maybe everyone's pretending behind my back to make me feel better but <laughs> i feel like everyone is really psyched about their like uh sarah and dan both have commissioned like a ton of art already <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's some very very cool things i'm curious to see what people have in response to once uh they get to see some of these characters the above team has a lot of interesting dynamics between them your character is a very uh curious and interesting beast that i think a lot of people will be excited to see uh you're you're putting your whole ostinacy into this one uh and the the below team is like also just like a very eclectic group of weirdos who uh, have uh, an interesting sort of job and relationship to one another that i think will be fun to see explored yeah, I'm trying to think what else we want to say because uh, we have, you know, the basic premise, island, above and below, dry and wet, uh, resurrection wells, uh, psychonauts stuff. I think that's most of the things uh, that are like in the actual setting. Is there anything else about doing the season or about your process you want to talk about? Um, you know, I'm definitely, I feel like Dan is going to be like, okay, here's my slideshow. Here's my PowerPoint <laughs> presentation. So let's set the yeah. precedent that that's okay. So, yeah, I mean, I uh, have a huge collection of notes for this season. Um, I am uh, going to be 
uh, posting my season. So I have everything like right now in a Google Doc. And once the season is done, I will post that Google Doc or I'll give it to you so you can post it on the Patreon just for anybody to come and grab, just a place where it can easily be hosted. Um, but I also then have just a list of things. So one of the first things I realized when I was like, okay, uh, season 11 is going to be about doing these vibe checks and these they're essentially these dungeons. Uh, how do I make these dungeons interesting? So I spent a couple days just coming to mind being like, okay, well, what if it's a dungeon with this to it? Or what if it's a dungeon with this to it? Or what if it's a dungeon that has this element to it? Like, I, I have a giant list of them. And I've just kind of, like, sporadically taken some of those ideas and sprinkled them in just to, like, pop up the idea. Because I didn't want to just do something that was like, you guys uh, wander through this person's life and you find out they were sort of an okay person. That's it. <laughs> you know, who cares? Or whatever. I wanted there to be uh, some kind of interesting element to everything. So uh, it was all about kind of trying to find ways to, like, add unique rules to things, uh, try to find ways to add unique flavors and uh, settings to things. Uh, there's one that you guys are about to step into that I'm very excited to showcase because it's it's got a flavor to it that I haven't really gotten to explore with before that I am, I'm very interested about. Uh, and then I also just have a long list of characters. I do have a naming convention planned for the season. So one part of my uh, notes is just character names potentially and i uh, you know I, I made my mpc and then i went through and i i decided like okay this name fits them or this this name fits them the best uh, and i still have just a big list uh of names at this point that you know at a moment's notice uh i can i can add and and stay to the idea um i have uh in my notes i gave all of my npcs magic the gathering color combinations uh not intentionally at first. Uh, one character I specifically wanted to design with a color combination in mind. I was like, I haven't seen something like this as uh, an antagonist. So I, I wanted to focus in on that and re really zero in. And then I was like, oh, what if I actually use this as a guiding post for all of my NPCs? Uh, so that might be a fun thing for people to think about at some point. And then again, all the answers will be at the end. And I guess maybe uh, I should note one previous idea uh, for this uh, season was uh, simply going to be the Fire Force season, and I'll just leave it at that, you know? Yeah, I mean, we we both have 10,000 ideas. Like I said, uh, next season, I think Dragon season, it's going to be a single DM, and then there's Pumpkin season, which is double DM, but I have up to season 20, including some very out-there ideas. So I hope you'll join me on this journey. Uh, you mentioned before that we ha talked about like a Patreon goal for doing a sideshow. Um, not to bring the mood down, <laughs> but yeah, we didn't quite reach Times that. are tough. <laughs> Times are tough. I don't know. I've been doing a lot of soul searching lately. If you listen to our show, Spewpunk, I've touched on this briefly, but this is going in the main feed. So, well, first of all, you should subscribe to Spewpunk. It's just a dollar. It's huge. Hundreds of hours of us doing absolute garbage nonsense uh, comedy, mostly about chastity cages and spitting in each other's mouths. But Whoa! Only recently! Uh, but we also read a lot of great books, like some stone-cold classics, Toni Morrison, Left Hand of Darkness, you know, the, the stuff that you get a degree for reading if you do it in the right building. Uh, <laughs> really excited to talk to you about all the pretty horses. Holy shit, that book's good. Uh, but yeah, uh, the Patreon is uh, such a blessing. It's allowed me to live for, 
years and years at this point. It's great. Uh, I did just have my 33rd birthday, so I'm getting older. I have to start thinking about what I'm going to do with my life, if I'm going to settle down, if I'm going to get married, have children, things of this nature. That's not your problem, dear listener. But if you were looking for a sign uh, to subscribe, I will say that. I make enough to live as a, a bachelor in in a, the United States of America, but I don't make enough to have a family. So I'm going to, at some point, have to think about the future of the show. And I want to do 20, 30 seasons of this. I want to do this forever. I love it so much. But um, I, you know, I've seen the numbers. If everyone listening just pledged a dollar, uh, then you would get this show until we're all dead. <laughs> I, I can do that. I, I promise you I can do this at the highest quality possible. But uh, I don't very often ask for this kind of thing. A lot of podcasts I listen to do. Every day I'll have like a, a sign on and a sign off where they talk about Patreon. Mine, patreon.com slash austinyorski. I guess I just get embarrassed. I'm always just like, they know oh, I'm, I'm bothering them. But um, we're about to hit the 10 year anniversary. This show started in 20 or yeah, 2015 and it's 2024. So uh, for the 10 year anniversary, I'm also thinking about switching up the Patreon. Uh, my girlfriend's always giving me a uh, guff about the tears. She's like, no one knows what Bloody Roar is. It's not that funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's why I subscribed. I was like, I need to make sure I'm going to get a Bloody Roar character. <laughs> I mean, I would definitely buy Bloody Roar if Konami sold it to me. But, uh, I mean, realistically, I, I want to know what people want. I will do a podcast every day. I will <laughs> I will stream myself 24 hours a day. I, I don't know oh, whatever you want. Okay, stop. <laughs> don't, don't, don't make those promises. I'm just saying. Uh, uh, no. Realistically, right now, we do Dice Funk, which is the, the, the role-playing show. And we do Spew Punk, which is a variety show, a comedy media thing. Is there something else uh, people want? I'm interested in that. Also, I'm thinking about redoing the credits. So right now, the credits are we get two nerds to read the backers of the show. And it's fun. There's a lot of inside jokes. People talk about my bussy. There's the Spookmaster General. Uh, there's trying to bribe me to kill the solitaire, things of that nature. Um, but Someone I, spit in my mouth recently and called me a bad girl. That's the opposite like of what Bad girl. Uh, yeah, that's fucking bullshit. I let someone spit in my mouth and I don't get braced for it. Yeah, that's nonsense. <laughs> uh, sorry, Quinn. We, I feel like everyone owes you an apology for letting this happen. We should have protected you. Um, yeah. But yeah, I've, I've been thinking about doing something else with that show. Just maybe doing, I've been like listening to uh, kind of a podcast where it's just one person. Usually I like multiple people. You get the banter, the back and forth, the inside jokes. But like, I don't know if you know Jeff Gerstmann. He used to work for GameSpot and Giant Bomb. Now he just does the Jeff Gerstmann show. It's just him. You know, there's history podcasts I like. Uh, so like Age of Napoleon or Revolutions, where it's just one person talking about history. So I was thinking about like, what if I just do uh, something like that? And I can work the credits into it the thing is it's like 400 names so it'd be pretty difficult uh to do a lot of content so i've been thinking about uh you know changing up those tiers i, I won't bore you too much longer with this just these are thoughts i'm having and they've only ever been on the subscriber feed so i'll say i think when the 10th anniversary of the show happens was coming up uh the the tiers might go up i've never changed them i've been podcasting since what 2011 2010 so i think um you know, right now it's like five dollars to get in the credits. I think I might might do ten. Let me know if that's insane, if I'm stupid and evil. I don't know. <laughs> that's a thought I've had. But um, yeah, I'm becoming older and crusty, and these are these are the things that keep me awake at night when I should be thinking up silly voices for crab people. You should see the folder of crabs I have on my computer. <laughs> so many crabs. 
Um, yeah, I, I think there's there's a lot of interesting things uh, that uh, can be explored. I know uh, some people just have interest in uh, the process. That's why one of the things I want to do is release my notes at the end of the season uh, in a digital format so people can look through them. Uh, that's like the number one question every season is like, what would have happened if this happened? And I don't have that answer for everything, but there are some things that you guys have already done that's completely different from what I intended. Uh, and there will be notes, you know, that are like, here's what would have happened there or whatever, or at least like, this is what my original intention was. Uh, and, uh, Maybe something like that is something that would be interesting. I don't know if people want like uh post episode like you know, like the fucking talking dead for episodes <laughs> and stuff like that. Um but like even just like hey, I have a giant folder of character ideas uh or uh helping to design an npc I, I have no idea but there's there's a lot of stuff that's out there so if there are concepts that you're like ooh, that actually does intrigue me a lot as a listener or someone who wants to contribute uh, uh creatively along with financially or something like that uh yeah, sure I'll, I'll have hoffman ford's uh <laughs> barn or whatever like <laughs> get your get your dealership right now it's the toyota-thon <laughs> uh, it's a second level spell slot <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I definitely think a world building show, uh, you know, talking about the process and all that could be interesting. I'd probably like go back and do each previous season and then start doing like uh, new stuff to get people like, oh, here's what I'm thinking about dragons and so forth. I was going to say, it's very interesting because at this point, uh, we're already prepared for season 12. I was going to talk to you actually about season 12 after we finish this call. That could be something that people want if like I I've built this character for uh, I've had them uh, more or less kind of done. I, I still need to do a lot because there's a lot of things left undecided. But like this concept has kind of been in the banks now for like six months or something like that. So there could just be a thing where people do episodes of like, hey, uh, this is me talking about the creation process of this character, how I got to it, maybe with someone else, maybe just them themselves, whatever it might be. And then that could be something released or whatever. Uh, this is sort of, I guess, going away from Session Zero and becoming more of a Patreon pitch hour um but th these are uh, ideas that uh are just going to be thrown out there and you know people can respond to them being like "Ooh, i like this one or i didn't like this one or hey give me that one yeah i listen i'm not too good to make joseph tumbrello the dragonborn wizard <laughs> if that's what's gonna get <laughs> you know if that's what's gonna let me have a child <laughs> you know <laughs> we gotta oh we all gotta live somehow but I, I would what i would never do is like sell like the narrative if that makes sense i'd never be like you have to you know uh, i will give you money to kill this character or whatever like that's the dice's job i don't fuck with that that's bad bad vibes <laughs> to try to get in the way of the the, the random chance yeah uh yeah there's a lot of cool things that i think we could do uh and if people have something that seems interesting to them let us know and uh we could potentially find a way to make it happen yeah so i think we're about at the end here there's probably more we could talk about but we can also do that on speedpunk currently just a dollar uh it's a great show so listen to that next week episode one of season 11 we've gotten this far without saying the name of it which is very funny but before we end on that do you have any thoughts about the music because people often ask me about the music on the show i uh, only use things that are like creative commons license so like overclocked remix is a video game uh, music remix places that place that allows you to use their stuff for non-commercial purposes and nine inch nails released two albums <laughs> into the creative commons so i've been minding that but uh you're, you're you're you know kind of in charge of the season you're the first dm and you're kind of setting the tone do you want to tell them anything about that 
yeah, so uh, I don't have uh, the the uh, mass uh, massive amount of resources or knowledge that you have to music. So uh, if you would ask me, I'd have been like, oh, time splitters. Uh, but you you know me. You're a very, very good friend. So you've listened to what I've said over the years and you identified because I, I thematically think water stages are the coolest stages in any fucking game. Like everyone shits on Bashir in uh, Cataclysm in World of Warcraft. And I'm like, nah, I always quest through Bashir. I know it fucking sucks. I don't care. Atlantis, the controls are dog shit. I don't care. Best level in Kingdom Hearts 1. All these water stages, I love them. So uh, usually the music has a profound impact. So there's two uh, songs that you have. Uh, one is, uh, I believe people got to hear it at the end of the last post-mortem, uh, which is a, a track from my, one of my favorite so- uh, uh, video games ever, Sonic the Hedgehog 3. Uh, and then there's a second track. You basically asked me, you're like, which one of these would you like? And I was like, both of these are good. Do this one for a normal-ass episode, and then when shit gets real, do this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you're going to hear that. Uh, and the, the water side has more of a Western feel, so I got some harmonica and some banjo stuff in there uh, for the Sonic palette. But yeah, that literally, I just think to myself, of all the tens of thousands of songs I've heard before, <laughs> and somehow I have memorized uh, what would fit here. And I also, of course, my friend Rachel Hillman has done music for the show. Uh, so there's things like that. But this one was immediately like, I got to do something for Quinn. It's got to be uh, Sonic the motherfucking hedgehog. You know what it is, which you probably heard. That's probably how this episode opened. So, uh, yeah, uh, it's the best track in all of Sonic the Hedgehog, Hydra City. Uh, I don't. I don't want to fight you. I, I will lose, but I will, if you try to argue otherwise, uh, cry. So, Will you fight me if I pronounce it Hydrosity? No, because it's not how it would be pronounced. They did this entire bit in the Sonic the Hedgehog comics. It's already been done. All right, I'm carrying on past you. I'm not giving you uh, time to breathe, you nerd. Damn. <laughs> uh, I, did, I really need to start reading comics. I'm getting fucking owned. Yeah, left and right. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's uh, cool stuff that is definitely going to be coming uh i i I guess the last thought i want to reiterate is uh you know i incorporate a lot of what season uh nine players sort of put out there and the idea of like kind of comfy vibes uh with moral consequences is a a bit of the tone that i'm going for this season uh so stay stay tuned look forward to it next episode i think should be next week unless there's uh, another surprise episode or something like that um and be gentle i'm so fragile uh, I will explode if you're mean to me legally and scientifically. <laughs> yeah, you're wearing that jacket, like the service dog jacket. Please <laughs> do not approach. <laughs> I'm so scared. Um, I'll only uh, approach if you're going to spit in my mouth and then call me a good girl. Because like, I, I can't take the, the tension otherwise. <laughs> Oh my god. I will say for the season name, because in episode one, we do not say what the season is named, which is very funny to me. I was thinking because of the hydrothermal vents, uh, that uh, one of the things that comes out of the vents is uh, sulfur. The Italian word for sulfur is Zolfo. I know this because there's a place in Florida called Zolfo Springs, which is a big inspiration for me once again i was thinking florida vibes and we just came this is coming off of arabella so i thought it'd be fun to go from a to z but then we never said that on the show but what we do talk a lot about in episode one is the banyan tree and i thought going from a to b arabella to banyan was fun and also it's a word we say 
on the show. So literally after we had already recorded, I changed the name of the season to Banyan. Uh, it's still uh, the location of the thing. The island doesn't have a name. This is important, Quinn. I, mean, I ask uh-huh. you this on air, but yes. you never named the island. But the, it, the, it, the it, underwater it is... <laughs> town does have a name. Yeah, it is, it is very specific. I imagine it'll come up uh, at some point. Uh, a character in the world will ask, like, why doesn't this place have a name? And it might be explored at some point. Uh, but I have an adamant that this island does not have a name. Oh, boy. But yeah, the Banyan tree is a big uh, element. It's the whole Psychonauts persona, Silent Hill thing. So the season, season 11, is called Banyan. At, at, as far as I know, I believe all those graphics have been made. The marketing team, oh, they're telling me, yeah, they're whispering right now that it's called Banyan. Thank you, <laughs> Bjork, <laughs> the Siamese cat, my marketing team. Thank you very much. The underwater town is called Zofo. We'll have a, we'll have a future season with the letter Z. I don't know why I'm so fixated on this. Uh, Dan is doing pumpkin season, and I was like, what's the name? And he was like, I don't know, spooky? And I was like, that's the place isn't spooky. The, the, the naming convention is the location that the the campaign takes place. And also, we've never repeated a le- letter. So please take that into consideration. I'm sorry. I'm insane. This doesn't matter. No one cares. But it, it, <laughs> hey, I'm trying to go alphabetical now because of my mental illness. Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's the new direction, everybody. Get ready for uh, next season. Uh, cookies, cookies, cookies. <laughs> well, that's not bad. I'll write that down. The, yeah. the, the cookies mountains where the dragons live. Cookies. Oh good. man, hold on, hold on, Austin. I know I had a previous idea for a character. Can I be a cookie monster dragon who just flies around eating cookies? Oh man, I have a character sheet. I'm willing to fucking burn into the ground right now to be a cookie monster dragon. For the love of God, please. <laughs> <laughs>